I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. O oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Look to him and be radiant so your faces shall never be ashamed. This poor soul cried and was heard by the Lord and was saved from every trouble. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Happy are those who take refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his holy ones, for those who fear him have no want. The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, O oh children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Which of you desires life and covets many days to enjoy good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their cry. The face of the Lord is against evildoers to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. When the righteous cry out for help, the Lord hears and rescues them from all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord rescues them from them all. He keeps all their bones, not one of them will be broken. Evil brings death to the wicked and those who hate the righteous will be condemned. The Lord redeems the life of his servants. None of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. Good morning. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Uh, we are here this morning out in the midst of pastor at Bybee Blueberry Farms and, uh, and at the base of uh, Mount Si. Uh, it's beautiful out here this morning. And you know, Augustine said that God wrote two books. He wrote nature and he wrote the Bible. And it's important that we read both. So we're out here enjoying God's uh, beautiful creation. You know, as I think about us standing out here at the Blueberry Farm, I think about Psalm 34, where it tells us to taste and see that the Lord is good and his mercies endure forever. Psalm 34, verse 8, utters those words. And when we think about that, the psalmist is inviting us to be taste testers of the goodness of God. And that's what I want to talk about today. Taste testers want it. When we think about what God is teaching us through the psalms and what David is teaching us, he's our spiritual 
director uh, during this time as we walk through the Psalms and acknowledge the Lord of the Psalms. But that's one thing I want us to keep in mind as we move through the Psalms, and that is what Walter Brueggemann calls orientation, disorientation, and new orientation. Orientation is talking about when we understand God and everything seems to be going well, what we know about God is, is true, that he's all-knowing, that he's omnipotent, that he's all-wise. Uh, we Things are going well during that season of orientation. But then there is also a season of disorientation. Disorientation, we begin to question the goodness of God. We begin to question because God is taking us through some circumstances and it's beyond our control, the locus of our control. We cannot control it. And so we are in this season of disorientation when things are in uh, disarray, we can't control it. Uh, we think we, we, we are asking the question, where is God? And then there is the season of new orientation where we begin to see God in a different light. And we begin to see ourselves, that we're, we're tougher. We're, we're, we understand God from a different perspective. And God has brought us out of the pit, out of despair, and God gives us a new way of thinking, a new way of processing, and a new way of seeing him. And David went through these seasons uh, in his life throughout the Psalms. As a matter of fact, many of us go through those seasons as well. Uh, one of my mentors used to always say that there is no comfort in your growth zone and there's no growth in your comfort zone. And that statement captures the seasons and the movements of orientation, disorientation, and new orientation. That sometimes God leads us in areas and situations where we, where we don't understand what God is doing. But that is exactly what God wants us because he stretches us and we begin to see ourselves and see God. And that's the road toward spiritual maturity. So I want us to understand that God has each and every one of us on a hidden curriculum toward spiritual growth and spiritual maturity. And it's not a curriculum where we choose our own classes. God by virtue of his sovereignty says, you need to learn something about suffering. You need to learn something about my goodness. You need to learn something about my omnipresence. And so wherever there's a, a hole in our understanding of God, God signs us up for that particular class so that we can become spiritually mature. And such is the case in David's life. Uh, David is our spiritual director and David has something to teach us in Psalm 34. And I want us to look at Psalm 34 today. I want to look at verses one through three first. Hear these words. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. What a beautiful expression that David makes in this first three verses. You see, David 
is speaking from experience and he has just moved out of a season of disorientation. Uh, as it's recorded in 1 Samuel chapter 21, uh, David is running from Saul and the statement that says, Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. And Saul gets very upset and jealous of David, so much so that he begins to pursue David and he's out to destroy David at all costs. David runs from his arch enemy, Saul, the man that he really wanted to be like, but now Saul has a bone of contention with him that he begins to pursue him through the wilderness, through the forest. David hides in caves to get away from Saul. And in this passage of scripture, David is just coming out of a season of disorientation. So when he, in Psalm 56, talks about when David was in uh, the territory of Gad and King Achish sees David and David begins to act mad. And so the king of Gad says, uh, we don't have to bother David, he's gone crazy. Now, isn't he the king uh, of Israel? And so David pleads insanity in order to stay alive. And so here in Psalm 34, David begins to see what God has done. He looks back over his life and says, Lord, you were protecting me when I was in enemy's territory. And so David is now in this new orientation. And so as he comes out of disorientation, he says, I will bless the Lord at all times and his praise shall continually be in my mouth. The first thing we see here in David's uh, progression of thought, he wants us to be taste testers of of God. He wants us to have a taste for praise, a taste for praise. Now, somebody may be asking, how can we bless the Lord? How can finite creatures like us, people like us, and an infinite God, how can we bless him? David said, as much as it is possible to bless God, David says, the way we bless God is we praise him continually. Uh, we praise him continually. In other words, we should always be in a posture of praise. We should always be in a posture of pr praise because God didn't have to wake us up this morning. He didn't have to clothe us in our right mind. He didn't have to start us on our way. And David says, Lord, I'm going to praise you uh, at all costs. Lord, based on what you did, to, did for me and Gad and how you protected me, uh, I'm going to bless you at all times. And so David says, personally, he has a conviction. He says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. And so David was always in a posture of praise. And so he, he invites us to have a taste for praising God, acknowledging God. In other words, give God his bragging rights. Uh, let, let people know that when God blesses you, that it had everything to do with God and nothing really to do with you. God, God made it happen in your life. He opened that door for you that, that no man can close. But also David goes on to say 
make another powerful statement. He says, my soul makes its boast in the Lord. In other words, David is in a deep posture of boasting about God. It's what one writer calls selfless enthusiasm. That David was selfless and he was enthusiastic about God. In other words, David took the focus off of himself and put it on God. And, and, and he began to boast and brag about who God is. He began to thank God. And so he says, my soul makes its boast in the Lord. And then he says, let the humble hear and be glad. This word humble, he's talking about a posture of humility because proud people don't boast about God. They boast about themselves. But humble people boast in God. Humble people acknowledge the goodness of God. And then I love what David says here in this last part. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. So he moves from personal reflection about God, personal praise, and he invites a listening community to worship God with them. He says, let's lift God up ourselves. That's, I'm not just going to worship him myself, but I want us to lift him up continually in praise. So David instructs us, brothers and sisters, to have a taste for praise. second thing that David teaches us is that God wants us to have a taste for prayer, an appetite for prayer. So David directs us about how prayer made a difference in his life. Listen to these words in verse 4. He says, I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Look to him and be radiant so your faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried, cried out and was heard by the Lord and was saved from every trouble. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and he delivers them. David uses words that imply the power of prayer. And not only the power of prayer, but the transformative power of prayer. That somehow when we pray, God transforms us. He does something in us. Uh, he, he changes our inner nature that we, in such a way, end up on the same wavelength with God. And so David tells his hearers as a spiritual director, he says, let me tell you what prayer did for me. I sought the Lord and he answered me. This word sought means that he, he diligently sought the Lord. He was seeking God. And he said, the Lord answered him and delivered him from all his fears. David is sharing his testimony here and he's telling us about the transformative power of prayer, that prayer 
not only changes things, but it changes you. It changes our perspective on things. Sometimes when we pray, we ask God to change the situation. And God said, no, no, I'm not going to change the situation, but I'm going to change your perspective on the situation. And that's what God does many times because God says, I'm not going to bail you out of everything. You're going to have to walk with me through this challenge because I'm transforming you on this journey uh, of prayer. Because God wants us, as we go through challenges, he wants us to draw closer to him. That's what James had in mind when he says, draw near to God and the Lord will draw near to you. That God gives grace to the humble, but he resisteth the proud. In other words, proud people don't pray. But those who have a posture of humility, those are the ones that pray. God wants us to get, out, get down on our knees and begin to seek him in a desperate way. And no doubt, David found time to pray when he was running from Saul. He found time to pray when he was in Gad and the king uh, saw that he had, he had pleaded mad. And David found time to pray and to seek God's face. But also, David says something else that really struck my attention. He says, look to him and be radiant. Prayer is about looking to God. Uh, keeping our eyes fixated on God. And so when we pray, it's about looking up to God. Look to him and be radiant. In other words, prayer changes our attitude. Uh, it, it's an attitude check that when we pray, God changes our attitude. And he, said, he uses this word and be radiant. And it's indicative of what Moses did when he went up to Mount Sinai and he was up there for 40 days and 40 nights. And it said that when Moses came down from Mount Sinai, that he had a radiance on his face, a, a, glo a, glory, a glorious countenance on his face that so much so that the people could not even look at Moses because he had been in the presence of God so much that his face was radiant. David says this is what prayer does for us, that when we spend time in prayer, prayer conditions us. It changes our countenance. When we've been in the presence of God, God will change our countenance. I don't know, know about you, but there have been times in my life where I've been depressed. And there have been times in my life when, when I begin to get down on my knees and pray, God changes my countenance, that I get up and I start singing as a result of having spent time with God. This is what David is saying. He says, look to him and be radiant so your faces shall never be ashamed. See, when you spend time in prayer, time in prayer with God is never lost. As a matter of fact, you save time when you pray to God. Because God knows how to get you to your destination. You may be trying to figure out how to get to a certain place and how to get that job, uh, how to get that career going. God says, I can save you time. I can open doors that no man can close. And I can get your foot in the door if you just seek my face and pray. God can make it happen. 
He can make it happen. And this is what David is telling us. And then David shares his testimony in the third person. He says, this poor soul cried and was heard by the Lord and was saved from every trouble. And then get this. He says, the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and he delivers them. Did you know that there's an angel assigned to you? That there's an angel that God has assigned to you and they, they're looking out for you. God cares about you so much that in this passage, David says that the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him. That's good news. That God cares about us so much that there's an angel assigned to you. Now, I also want you to know the counterpart of this, that the devil uh, considers you to be a threat so much that there's a demon assigned to you as well. That when you, when you take God seriously, when you walk with God, the devil says, no, we got to distract him. We've got to distract her. We don't want them to get that close to God. And so sometimes the devil will send sideshows in your life where you get distracted. But that angel of the Lord is always looking out for you. But this is what David says as a spiritual director to us. He says, keep praying. He says, keep seeking the Lord. Because it's not always about the destination. It's about the journey that God has us on. So he says, keep praying. Keep seeking, the God, seeking God. And the Lord will protect you. He will deliver you. And last but least, and this is the key verse out of this whole section. He says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good and happy are those who take refuge in him. This word taste implies, one writer says, that taste is the spark of an appetite. That when you taste something for the first time, it will determine whether you will develop an appetite for that particular thing. Now, we're, we're out in the midst of a blueberry farm, and blueberries are my favorite. Now, they haven't always been my favorite, but one day I tasted a blueberry. And when I tasted that blueberry, it sparked my appetite. And now every day I eat blueberries. I eat it with my cereal. I eat it with my oatmeal. I just eat it just for a snack because I have an appetite for blueberries. But this is what David is saying to us today. He says, I invite you to be taste testers of God's goodness. I invite you to be taste testers of God's glory. I invite you to be taste testers of God's peace and of his mercy. And you will discover that God is good. He's good, I tell you. And this is what David says. David has such an insatiable appetite for God. He says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good and happy are those who take refuge in him. Praise God. That's good news, brothers and sisters.
David tells us to oh taste and see that the Lord is good and happy are those who take refuge in him. And then he says, oh fear the Lord, you his holy ones, his saints, for those who fear him have no want. The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord have no lack of a good thing. Now, if you will allow me to use my, my sanctified imagination, I would title this section here, The Prayer and Praise Gumbo of God. David is engaged in this interplay between prayer and praise. So he talks about prayer, praise at the beginning, then he talks about prayer, and then verses 9 through 22, there's this interplay between prayer and praise as the basis of his gumbo. He said, you, you can add joy, you can add grace, you can add mercy, but I want you to use prayer and praise as your gumbo. And so he says, oh, fear the Lord, you his holy ones, for those who fear him have no, no want. The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. And there's that word seek again. He says, sought the Lord. And then in this section, he says, seek the Lord, that we lack no good thing, that, that God, we, God meets us at our every point of need uh, when we begin to pray and praise him. Now, David, he shifts uh, his perspective. He becomes a, a proverbial teacher, if you will, an instructor of wisdom. And so he begins to instruct those who are listening to him. And really, David is thinking about the, the household of God. He, he says he, he moves from personal reflection to corporate teaching and instruction. And so look at what David says here. He says, we, we, we must fear him. We must fear the Lord. Now, he uses this word fear several times in this particular passage because as far as David is concerned and as the Torah, the first five books of the law are concerned, that the fear of the Lord uh, brings about wisdom. That when we have this reverent fear of God, God says, now I can deposit my wisdom into your spirit because you have a reverent fear for me. God doesn't want us to be scared of him. He wants us to be in awe of him and to recognize the bigness of God, that God is omnipotent, that God is all-present, that God is omniscient, that God is immutable. He never changes his mind. And so David wants us to understand how important it is that we have a reverent fear for God. Now, look at the words that David used as he makes this prayer and praise gumbo. He says, fear must be in this gumbo that God is, 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 is cooked up. He says, come, O children. And this is where the pedagogical nature of David is employed. He says, come, O children, listen to me, and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. And he begins to articulate what the fear of the Lord looks like. David asks one question in this passage. 
He says, which of you desires life and covet many days to enjoy good? He says, which one of you want to enjoy life till its, till its full, fullness? Uh, he wants us to enjoy life and to enjoy it to its fullest. It goes back to what Jesus said, I came that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. In other words, that you might have it to the full. Look at what David says. He says, I'm going to show you what it looks like uh, to have an appetite and a taste for God. He says, first of all, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. He says, depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. David says, I, I want to share with you from my own experience. He says, be committed to doing good. Don't let evil people bring you down to their level. Uh, in the words of, of that great philosopher, Michelle Obama, she said, when people go low, you go high. In other words, don't let people bring you down to their level. So whenever they try to bring you down to the level, think about going high. God doesn't want us to want us to try to figure out how low we can go, but how high can we go? So God calls us to take the, the high road of righteousness. But then he says another thing. He says, seek peace. Seek peace. In other words, be a person who pursues peace, a person who pursues goodness, uh, he says, pursue those virtues that are in keeping with God's character. Peace is in keeping with God's character. God is a God of peace. Wisdom is in keeping with God's character. God wants us to pursue wisdom. Grace is, a, is, a, is indicative of the character of God. And so he says, pursue grace. And then loving kindness, that word, that Hebrew word, hesed, uh, that God is, by virtue of who he is, he is a loving and kind God. He says, pursue those virtues that are in keeping with the character of God. So David has added some, some ingredients to that gumbo. He says, add peace to it, uh, add goodness to it. He says, depart from evil. And don't let your tongue be engaged in deceitful speaking. Uh, David is saying that when we have an appetite for God or a taste for God, then that taste begins to manifest itself in our vocabulary, in how we talk, in how we behave, that when we have an appetite for God, it shows up in tangible ways in our lives. And this is what David understood. It, it, and whenever you read the Psalms, you, you, you begin to discover that David is committed to the Torah. He's committed to the instructions of God. And he wants us as spiritual directors to be committed as well. And then in verse 17, 16 and 17, that is, he says, uh, the face of the Lord is against evildoers to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. Now let's back up to verse 15. He says, the eyes of the Lord 
are on the righteous and his ears are open to their cry. David begins to use anthropomorphic terms. He begins to speak of God as if God has hands. He begins to speak of God as if God has ears and eyes. Uh, he begins to speak in anthropomorphic terms. Uh, and David says, I, I want you to understand that God has his eyes on the righteous, that God is listening to the righteous. And David says uh, that we, we must be committed, must understand that God always have, has you in his mind and in his heart. So he's looking out for you. And it really implies, brothers and sisters, that when we are asleep, God is still looking out for us. That God has our blind side. You don't have to look over your shoulders to wonder what your enemies are doing because God's got your blind side. You know, when, when you're traveling, you, you're in your car and you're moving from lane to lane, God will tell you uh, in, his, in, in a spiritual sense that you can move over because God is looking out for you. You don't have to worry about your enemies plotting, plotting against you because God says the same ditch that they're digging for you uh, they will end up in that ditch or in that pit. And so David tells us that God protects us, that God is guiding us. Now let's jump down to verse 22. He says, the Lord redeems the life of his servants and none of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. This word refuge literally means to seek cover under the hands of God, to let God cover you. Uh, God wants to cover you. He wants to redeem you, that he redeems the life of his servants. And then one of the ways that God does that, he does it through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ covered us under this blood. Amen? Amen. Now, I, I want to extend this invitation to you. I want you to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Now, you may feel like you're not being covered right now. You've tried everything in life to try to cover yourself. Cover yourself with money, to cover yourself with a career, to cover yourself with relationships, only to find that those coverings are insufficient. The only sufficient cover is Jesus Christ. He's the only one that can cover you because he came to save you. He came to give you a right to the tree of life. And so I want to extend the invitation to you to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Now that, that feeling that you have right now, you feel like God is tugging on your heart, that the Spirit is tugging on your heart. The Bible says, seek the Lord while he is near, that he is a very present help in time of need. And if you feel that, that tug, if you feel that, that pulling, I want you to pray this prayer with me right now. Father, I thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for the awesome price that he paid for me on Calvary. Father, I accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I ask, Lord, that you will forgive me for my sins. And Lord, I thank you for Jesus. It's in his name I pray, amen. If you prayed that prayer with me today, and you have made a commitment 
to follow Jesus. On the screen, there's a website that says upc.org slash Jesus. Click on that website and it will take you to where there's some people waiting on you to walk with you and to seal the deal where you begin to walk with Jesus. We don't want you to walk alone because it takes a church to raise a Christian. And UPC is committed to raising mature followers of Jesus Christ. And so we want you to, want you to click on that website and we want to walk with you on this journey. Amen. Amen.